the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with April J. Ford. April has faced adversity in her life, such as childhood sexual abuse and becoming a widow and a single parent at 32. Through all of her challenges, she has managed to rise above them and conquer her life. She'll help you to do the same. Now, here is your host, April Ford. Welcome to You're Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. I'm April J. Ford. Our episode today is the heart of relationship language with my guest, Bill Sterling. And before I bring him on the line, I'd like to say hello to all of our You're Not Alone listeners out there. Just to name a few cities here in the United States, we've got Phoenix, Los Angeles, Roseville, Houston, Dallas, New York City, Atlanta, Washington, D.C., Chicago, Austin, Portland, San Francisco, and going abroad, we've got China, Netherlands, Swindon, Japan, Spain, Philippines, Mexico, Iran, and just to name a few, thank you to all of my listeners out there. So I offer this show as an example for people who may feel alone during adversity, that they are not alone, and that there is hope. Your journey called life is filled with happiness, success, fulfillment, and even disappointments and adversities. And I'm here to say that there's golden blessings to be discovered even when life throws you a curveball and you can still experience joy. I believe in taking a holistic approach to empowerment, so this show will bring on expert guests to help you with tools and tips to create a roadmap that guides you on finding who you are and how to handle challenges. This is how you will transition and transform into who you're truly meant to be. And to find out more, go to the website at feeljoyagain.com. So most of you guys know that the fourth R in the four-step process that I created to coach on how to rise above life's challenges is rebalance. Rebalance the relationships that bring meaning and value to your life. You can have all the power, positions, and possessions in life, but at the end of the day, it's all about the relationships. And ask yourself the same question. Who do I bring meaning and value to? And to be able to answer this, you must have a mindset and thought process that is positive and progressive with yourself. And my guest, Bill Sterling, will empower you to understand your personality type, your brain's thinking style, emotional intelligence, and how this all plays into who we are and how we interact with others. With his 25 years of experience as a corporate culture specialist and executive coach, Bill is an engaging and cutting-edge speaker and specialist who provides implementable information. As a dynamic and effective speaker, Bill contributes to large audiences, both TV and radio, and in intimate settings for corporate retreats and conferences. His unique combination of emotional intelligence and whole brain technology demystifies why people think and behave the way they do 
and provides useful tools on how to leverage this understanding so you can perform at your optimal capability consistently. Welcome to You're Not Alone, Bill. Well, I feel so delighted to be here. It's, uh, it's uh, great to be able to contribute to the audience and, and to really bring some practical tools and skills to, uh, uh, to your listeners so that it can make their lives more wonderful. So I'm really happy to be here. Great, Bill. So tell us, you know, how did you get started in this communication work? You know, what inspired you? Were you going through some sort of conflict in your workplace or maybe personal conflict? What what inspired you to be in this industry? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, uh, very much uh, personal conflict. And it started very young because I was a very out-of-the-box, very creative thinker when I was young. But really when the rubber hit the road when I was teaching um, sciences, um, anatomy and physiology in, in high school, and I asked myself a fundamental question is, why do people think the way they do? And it was really centered around the conflict that I was noticing that certain students were learning a certain way, and then uh, they were learning a certain way, and other students weren't. You know, they weren't taking the information in, and there was a lot of struggles with that and, and all that kind of, uh, you know, nifty stuff. So uh, it, it really turned me on to uh, conflict level one, because there's really three language conflicts that show up. And the first conflict shows up in regards to thinking, that different people think differently. For example, an engineer thinks in a very logical and analytical way, and a social worker thinks in a very interpersonal way. They think about connecting people together. So it's different than connecting numbers together the way an engineer thinks. So that's, those are two different types or two different think, thinking styles. And then the other two thinking styles is the difference between the way an artist thinks where it's more big picture, um, creativity and innovation and um, the ability to think out of the box. And opposite of that is somebody that thinks like a manager in a very structured way mm-hmm. um, that thinks in a step-by-step or an implementation. And because the implementers are so different than the creators, they have different language that goes on. And because the language is so different, what happens is conflict shows up. Right. And it magically right. shows up. And so those four different thinking styles create frustration, you know, inside our human body, inside our physiology. The frustration is guaranteed because a way that's structured is very different than a way that's open and flexible and spontaneous. Right. So, so run that bias again. What are the four levels? One yeah. is the logical. I got creativity and implementation. What was the other one? So there's a logical, there's creativity, there's implementation. And the, la- the other one is the interpersonal style that has to do with connection with people, the social oh, okay. worker, more mm-hmm. of that. So again, each style is going to have it. Now, human beings are a blend a various different blend of all four of those things. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yet, here's where the rub is. And as your clients try to find out and as the listeners try to find out what their thinking style is, 
is that we wait towards two of them. Many of us wait towards two of them primarily. So like, like 54% of the population waits towards two of those things. Mm-hmm. They could okay. be more like a research scientist has the creativity and the logic together. They have two. And whereas a real estate agent has the interpersonal skills to talk to people and then the organizational skills to, and the implementation skills to fill out all the paperwork. So there's certain jobs, there's certain thinking styles that people lean towards. And when they do that, um, they're in their superpower or in their strength. And what I try to coach people to do is how do you play more inside your strengths and not try to beat yourself up with your frustration or the thing that you're worst at? I don't want, we got, there's plenty of people to do mathematics. We don't have to beat ourselves up because we're not good at mathematics. We need to trust and ask for support for people that are really good at mathematics, even though we're not very good at mathematics. So, different people need to trust other people to help them with their superpower. Then it goes better. Then it goes better. Now, I, I think that's really important once you realize your own personality type and your thinking style, like you mentioned, the four categories. This is not only beneficial. I think people assume, oh, this only applies to maybe in the corporate environment when you work as a team. But I think it's also beneficial as um, in your household. Like if you have kids, um, if you have a spouse, how you communicate to them, how you interact with them. And also if you're teaching your kids, you need to be able to communicate to them effectively based on their learning style, right? Right, right. A big, uh, a, a big part of my work is doing parent-teacher conferences and parent, uh, uh, a parent nights at um, schools. So I'll train them as well as doing corporate training and train people so that they can say, okay, you know, these people think differently. Your mm-hmm. kids are thinking at a different frequency and a different, using different vocabulary as well as different definitions than you are. So, like, my son is a very strong logical thinker, and he's a very strong creative thinker. Now, I'm a very strong creative thinker, too, but I'm not a strong logical thinker. He can, he can whip my butt in mathematics. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's really, really good at that, and I'm not as, I'm not as good at that. I'm not as strong at that. So you wouldn't so, be able to help him with his math homework, Bill, right? Yeah, yeah, it's like ridiculous if I'm trying to help him with his math homework. He just yeah. tells me to get away from him. Get away from me. You're not good at this. What are yeah, you doing? I think you're frustrating like, no, him. I'm trying to help you. He's like, no, no, it's no help. You're no help here because you're, the way you're explaining it, Dad, mm-hmm. is not the way my brain, brain. processes it. Right. Can, can right. you think how powerful that is? He's 14 years old and he's giving me feedback on get out of my space, I own this, Mm -hmm. 
of course, he grew up with me, right? You know, yeah, so that's his lane. <laughs> you know, he, he's, that's the, so he's feeding me back all the stuff that I'm teaching. And, and he helps me do lectures, too. He helps me, you know, train people. You know, he'll come out and work with what I'm doing a parent group or something. Mm-hmm. And um, he'll go like, yeah, my dad and I, you know, he goes over here and I do this logical thing. And he goes over there and does this interpersonal thing. And I don't want to do the interpersonal thing. I want to do the logical thing first. Mm-hmm. And I go, like, oh. yeah, that's amazing. You know, and so we're able to actually have a healthier discussion about differences. He's just different than I am. Mm-hmm. And then my now, what does it look like when you're hosting the um, workshops for that particular audience with parents and children? I mean, um, what does the test look like or the assessment for the kids? I mean, what age do you typically? Um, range for that or gauge? Well, the interesting part of the, the thing is that kids um, come in and are born um, pre-wired. There, there's some pre-wiring that comes in. I mean, they're, they got some stuff going on already. Um, uh, uh, my uh, son, Aiden, who's now 14, he watched, um, you know, as many kids do, watched a dinosaur uh, um, uh, movie, but it was a um, it was a um, documentary, a documentary dinosaur movie. And I'll tell you what, uh, I've never seen a kid hook on to something from the research place and is consistently said, you know, I'm going to be a paleontologist, and it's just a matter of time until I get there. Mm-hmm. And I was going like, you know what, your thinking style is right in alignment with the paleontologist. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. see if you kind of hang with that if it's still safe. He's kind of hung with it a little bit, you know? And wow. some kids just say, yeah, yeah, I really like dinosaurs. But this kid is like, no, no, no. I already have the names of 90 dinosaurs already. And wow. I want to go to this dig site. And can you, teach, can you get me in touch with this mentor? And, you know, he's already, you know, telling me where he's going to design wow. his, you know, life. And he's 14. So, so, um, so our kids uh, around age eight, you're going to see some strong signals of it. Uh, seven and eight, that's when the brain actually starts making some uh, really interesting neuro connections between the age of uh, seven and eight. And okay. the, the nice part of the, this typology model that I use, it's a brain-based typology. So what that means is that there is a physiological research that's behind it, which allows us to get a better... Um, assessment and allows us to get better vocabulary that's more specific. So um, I find that is very, very helpful. So, so a big part, and uh, April, I know you and I did, did your profile, and, and you really kind of have this out-of-the-box, off-the-chart, yellow creative thing that you do, and that allows you to innovate and allows you to see new possibilities for your listeners. Mm-hmm. But do you think, do you think, Bill, that's um, more, is that like my natural default? Because back in, I call it my past lifetime, I was by trade um, and profession for 14 years, um, a senior engineer at Intel Corporation. And I was in that environment where I had to function as the logical um, person. So would you say that our or trade or profession or environment influences, you know, how we think. That's right. That's right. If you get into an environment that requires um, a 
certain style of thinking, our brain has adaptability, malleability, flexibility to switch on and switch off certain styles of thinking, rewiring the brain to deal with the pattern mm-hmm. or the environment that it's in. So it starts a habit of thinking a certain way. So when I was teaching school and working and having to grade kids and grade papers and read stuff and, you know, score things, um, you know, I was drug over to the left side of the brain and did much more, you know, testing and scoring and evaluating and stuff like that with my students. But as soon as I stopped teaching and then moved into corporate training, I didn't have to grade anything. Mm-hmm. So I just got worse at it. I just got worse at what I, <laughs> what I, what I stopped doing. And I just started to move more towards my natural ability as a consultant and as, as an executive coach and as a communication specialist. I started moving more into what my strength or my superpower was. Okay. And let's hold that thought, Bill. When we come back from our break, I want you to elaborate more on the emphasis of really, like you said, playing more into our strengths instead of being frustrated with our weakness. So let's go ahead and take our break and more with Bill when we come back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Has life ever thrown you a curveball called challenges or maybe even a boulder called adversity? You are not alone. How to Rise Above Life's Challenges with Grace, Gratitude, Love, and Joy is about finding the gold in life's challenges. April J. Ford shares how tragedies from her past taught her the alchemy of adversity. Who we are inside and the way we handle the challenges we face is how we transition and transform into who we are truly meant to be. Pick up your copy today at www.feeljoyagain.com or by clicking on the link on the You Are Not Alone show page. When is the last time you saw sparkles of life in your day? Each day holds a treasure, the extra in the ordinary. It is too easy to miss them because they're familiar and we take them for granted. If you want to add sparkle to your day, listen to Mighty Gems, spotlighting everyday jewels with Dee Lee. She offers a new way to view the world and to discover your own Mighty Gems in daily life. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April J. Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. 
Welcome back. We are talking about the heart of relationship language with my guest today, Bill Sturley, who is empowering us on how to understand our personality types, the way our brain thinks, and how um, basically how we play into who we are and how we interact with others. He went over the four levels of the thinking cells, and we'll get into that as a review in just a moment. So, Bill, with this assessment um, you brought up in the prior segment with the assessment that I did, it actually is a tool for Fortune you know, 50 companies. You know, what is it about that your technique that allows you to create such consistent and large results both in the corporate world and individuals? Well, the thing that really allows uh, a big change to take place is that once people start appreciating differences rather than um, keep fighting with frustration. See, people start fighting frustration pretending that we're supposed to be happy all the time. And whereas the, the neuropeptide responsible for the feeling of frustration is necessary, and this is when it gets weird, it's necessary for brain growth to take place and to learn new skills. Let me say it one more time. Frustration is necessary for brain growth. Wow, now, okay. That's, that's unsettling. It's that's like, like growing oh. pains then. <laughs> yeah, it's the growing pains. It's like you got to be frustrated before you can engage and your brain actually moves into a habit. It moves into a, um, into a new pattern of things to develop a new skill. You actually got to get to have the feeling of frustration and uh, maybe irritation can be used to leverage <laughs> it's a weird way to say it, to leverage great amount of growth and also to create a greater amount of skill. So this is why the word practice is so very, uh, very important to us as human beings. Practice means you don't have to be good at it. You just got to swing the bat. Keep doing you it. You got to kick the ball. Mm-hmm. You just, that's it. So frustration is swinging the bat and missing. Kicking at the ball and not hitting it quite right. Mm-hmm. You know, those are, those are moments of frustration. Well, if you stay at it and you move through frustration, your brain actually creates new dendrites so that the emotion that you just practiced becomes a habit. And then this new habit that you have or this habit that you're developing... Hopefully, it's a good habit rather than a habit that is a junky habit. So whether it's in relationship or whether it's in trying to build some skills about stuff, we kind of need to pay attention to the words we use, the thoughts we have, Mm -hmm. and use good words and good thoughts and really... It really kind of embrace that there is differences, that there's preferences, that these things really very much make a difference. And, and then by doing that, what we're doing is we're allowing our brain to say, okay, I have a new habit. I'm going to not get mad at myself for not being good at mathematics. I'm going to choose to learn just enough mathematics to be functional, but I'll never, ever be a 
the Einstein. engineer or yeah. a calculus person or a physicist in this lifetime. I really particularly like that phrase, by the way, April has said, I'm not doing that. I am not, Bill Sterling is not going to be an accountant in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. just not. And I'm just going to let it go. <laughs> and you own it. Myself. Yeah, you own it. You know, I'm just going to contribute the way my superpower is, and I'm really delighted to pay my accountants to do what they do. Mm -hmm. Well, let me echo on the point that you made when you said that our brain really needs to be in that, we'll put it in quotes, frustration mode for enable it to grow and create new habits and development. I think that's one of the reasons why when people, you know, when life throws them a curveball or adversity hits and they hit rock bottom, that's when they begin to create change and explore really who they are and what's the meaning um, and real fulfillment of life. I mean, unfortunately, you know, some people wait until they're in that predicament when life throws them a curveball. But I guess that kind of explains on what you just explained. Yeah. Well, I I appreciate your supporting people in that and in gaining that awareness and gaining that um, uh, experience because, The biggest challenge is is that the brain goes into fight, flight, and freeze um, uh, very early. It it overcompensates for validation. It overcompensates for safety. Um, It overcompensates for validation. Now, notice those three words, right? Safety, you know, protection, validation. That's not good if you're validating an old pattern. It's not good. Right. you're protecting something that's not there, you know? Um, and so the brain really is wired more for habit and protection than it is for change and growth. So we, I really require or request my clients to just slow down and say, okay, here's what, the, here's what change is going to look like and just like the way I uh, uh, talk about this in my lectures is it's, the brain is very much like an elephant with a little, uh, with a person sitting on the top, a writer sitting on the top with a little stick. Mm-hmm. So every, everybody knows what an elephant looks like, right? And mm-hmm. everybody knows what this imagines, can imagine a, a, a person sitting on top, a writer sitting on top. Everybody can use their imagination and have a stick. The brain's very much like this. The elephant is the habit brain. The elephant is the safekeeping brain. The elephant is the emotional brain. The elephant is the imprinted brain. Our logical brain and our creative brain is more like the rider that is sitting on top of the brain. So everybody has had the experience of making a New Year's resolution and the experience of failing on the New Year's resolution. So the rider of the brain says, I'm going to lose weight this year. I'm going on a fast. I'm doing a diet. I'm going to do this. Yeah, 30 days in. 40 days and six, forget about the diet. I already have a cookie in my mouth already. (laughs) You know, I'm already doing that. The elephant brain won over the logical brain, over the 
creative brain. It mm-hmm. won. Well, why did it win? Because it's wired for validation. It's wired for habit. It's wired for this, um, this type of thinking that uh, regrettably is helpful when you're driving a car, but it's not helpful when you're trying to make changes or, try, or dealing with a crisis. It's just not helpful. Mm-hmm. So and, how do we break that um, yeah. Bill, I mean, if we're na- our natural safe um, operation in the brain is is for habit and protection, how do we break um, and create change and growth? Because some of those habits, like you said, could be bad habits or bad programming right. from an experience. So I think you said it right there. I think the word the the word replacement, uh, April, to use is to replace the word break towards to gently tap and nurture the elephant in the direction you want it to go. Let me say, to replace the word break, we don't okay. break a habit, we re-nurture a new habit into place. Okay? So what does that, how does that look like with your example that you gave? With like the New Year's resolution? Since <laughs> it's, it's timely, we're you know, at the beginning of December here. What can people do to re-nurture a new pattern. Yeah. So let's say um, if my habit is during the Christmas holidays, is my habit is as I walk by the cookies and the candy and the stuff, and I watch my elephant brain reach out with my hand overriding you know, the person sitting on the top. I can ask myself a new question. Is, is that, shall I choose health in this moment? Or shall I choose taste in this moment? Which, mm-hmm. one, which one am I picking? Am I going to pick habit? Or am I going to pick taste? Or am I going to pick health? Now, notice that that takes just a tad bit of patience to ask the powerful question. Mm-hmm. Am I doing habit? You know, or am I, you know, am I going to follow the habit by just sticking the, the cookie in my mouth? Yeah. Or am I going to take that moment or that pause? Now, as soon as we get used to the pause, then what winds up happening is, is that we're putting the power back into the rider on top of the elephant. And the sentence is the little stick. So we want to tap the elephant with the stick. Don't hit the elephant because the elephant will sit down or throw you off. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so a gentle. <laughs> it's really temperamental. It's kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so you're not eating that cookie, but about an hour we're going to pass this cookie bowl again. And boy, I'm going to have that cookie in your mouth whether you like it or not. And mm-hmm. sure enough, you know, an hour later, the elephant's got you chewing on the cookie. You know, it's really weird. But as soon as we have a little bit of humor about that, the elephant brain and the uh, and the emotion that goes with it, and the habit that goes with the elephant brain is going like sugar now. That's what it's doing. The it sugar now. Why? Because our parents didn't let us have sugar growing up. Because sugar tastes really good. Because I want to. I'm a foodie, and I want to taste all kinds of different foods. Because I want to have different food flavors. You know, and therefore. You know, I'm just trying these things. And, and so the, the challenge is, is that is our 
habit one of mindfulness or is it one of impulse? So uh, what I try to train people to do is get language to be more mindful. And when it's more mindful, then the writer is back in charge and we're able to, you know, tap the elephant in the direction uh, that is going to best serve us so it gets used to having a habit of change and a habit of adjustment. Yeah. Okay, and, that makes uh, sense. Yeah. Like many times with companies, they'll come in and they say, oh my gosh, we need a culture change here. That's what the CEO says. CEO says, Bill, can you change our company culture? I said, yes. Don't tell anybody we're doing that. Yeah, because they'll put up their defense Do mechanism. Don't tell anybody we're changing the company culture. He goes, what do you mean? I mean, you know, three years ago we had somebody come in and they told us and we did this big announcement and we talked about the cultural change that we're going through. And I said, how long did it last? Six months, you know, or eight months? How long? He goes like, well, how'd you know? Only about seven months. And then we were back to doing the same old thing. I was going like, that's the point. So you don't tell the elephant that there's a mouse down the road that is going to scare you in a little bit. Mm-hmm. You just want to tap the elephant down the path until everybody says, boy, we're in a different position. How did we get over here? What magical leadership took place? You know, right. Meanwhile, all we were just doing is just putting little sentences in and little tapping. And that's all we were doing is just tapping the organization to move in a direction that was more serving. Right. That makes sense. That makes sense. Like you said, if our brain is naturally defaulted or wired to keep us in habit, hopefully, like you said, it's a mindful, healthy habit as far compared to a negative impulse and it's to protect us. Right. I mean, if you were to walk in there, say you're going to implement change overnight, everybody's defense mechanism would go up to protect themselves. Yeah, that's right. That's correct. That's correct. Yeah. You know, the, fun, the, fun, the funny thing about the, um, the brain dominance, the thinking style stuff that we're going through, is that with each of these different four thinking types, there's actually four different conflict patterns that each one of these things do differently. So, for example, the logical person, when the, when the logical brain goes into conflict, it will change its language to criticism. Isn't that weird? So a logical brain will go into criticism. It's like, no, no, this is the wrong answer. You should have done it this way. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it would have been better if you would have done it this way. What's wrong with you? How could you have not known the difference? This is a better way of doing it. Blah, 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 blah. So it goes into criticism. Whereas the, um, whereas the emotional brain or the, the, the interpersonal brain it goes into a pattern called contempt. That's the pattern. So the contempt pattern is more like, um, uh, uh, you don't care about me. You don't love me anymore. Um, you really, um, uh, 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 really don't want to be here. And that's all contempt style language. Okay. And the uh, creative brain goes into withdraw or even stonewalling, it withdraws because it's thinking, well, this is too dangerous and I need a bigger point of view. So I might as well just stop doing stuff and back away and leave the room Mm -hmm. or leave the relationship and start all over again. 
instead of going like, well, maybe I should push through this. It yeah, I, I think what's, it, what's really funny, and um, maybe the next segment, I'll share the results that I had on my assessment. When you were going over my results, you kind of use the story of, okay, so April, if I were a fly on the wall and you were going through um, a disagreement with somebody, I think these are the type of words you would use, and this is how you would act and react. And one of the words I remember, you would say that I would basically, like you just said, I would stonewall. I'm like, oh, Bill, how did you know that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, what makes you great, April, what makes you great, there's an Achilles heel to the, what makes you great. It's... it's um, you know, it's it, what makes you great, what, what brings your superpower and is the ability to see and help people and nurture people through change. The, the second part of that <laughs> is that is that when conflict comes up and you're not in your superpower, let's say somebody is being more structured around you or, or being more logical around you, then all of a sudden you go like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, this is not any fun anymore because I don't want to do all those details over there or I don't want to finish this thing over here because I want to uh, create this new thing. And, and then, oh, yeah, there's this shiny lure that I just went after. <laughs> you know, and it really looks good over there. And I, I, I really want to start this other project. And, you know, and so what ends up happening is, your strength, the thing that makes you great, also doesn't allow you maybe to bring things, some things to completion or doesn't allow you to get further down the road that you would like to get for either maybe connection or, or safety and connection or, um, you know, what, you know, what's the, whatever some of those obstacles are that, that come up, you know, in relationship with yourself mm-hmm. and others. And the, um, Oh yeah, and then the fourth one is defensiveness. Is the um, the people that are safekeeping, or more structured, or more organized, like uh, a manager or a drill sergeant? Um, they're going to be more defensive, and that's the fourth style. So it's criticism, contempt, withdraw, and defensive are the four styles or conflict styles that starts the brain down the fight, flight, and freeze path. Okay. So, um, April, you and I could start an argument, or you can even recount an argument that you've had in the past, that one of these four horsemen of a relationship apocalypse, those, that's what they're called, four horsemen of a relationship apocalypse. So, they're going to blow up a relationship. They're going to blow up connection or a marriage or a business. Why? Because they're there. If you don't know they're there, they'll blow it up. They'll blow it up in a heartbeat. You know, they'll actually, you know, <laughs> take it out for a spin a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, so it's, let's, build, it's, let's uh, hold it's, that it's thought. Let's hold that thought, Go Bill. Ahead. And when we come back, I, I really want yeah. to continue on, like you said, the four um, conflict styles, because I, I believe it applies not only to business, but also um, our personal relationships. It applies to um, business, you know, our, raising our kids and in all areas of our life. But let's go ahead and take our break. And when we come back, we're going to dive back into these four areas. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. Joy's Gift is a 501c3 nonprofit that empowers women and youth to transition from tragedy to triumph, from loss or sexual abuse. 
Our program emphasizes a foundation of developing true self-mastery of independence. Our services provide a support system and infrastructure of wraparound resources for services focused on mental, emotional, and spiritual healing. Restore someone's hope, love, peace, and help them develop self-mastery of independence by sharing your gifts with Joy's Gift at www.joysgift.org. That's joysgift.org. Our world is shrinking. We get information across the planet as fast and as easily as across the street. Lately, it seems as if none of it is good. The world has become so addicted to negativity, fear, drama, and our kids are learning fast. Are you worried about your teen? Do you know where they are, who they're with, and what they're really up to? Power of Peace Radio tackles real issues that are changing the minds of the next generation. Get involved in the conversation on Monday evenings with Kit Cummings. Pop Radio is about interrupting and redirecting those who are on a dangerous course and bringing light into dark places with powerful topics and real stories. We bring hope to those who need it most because hope is the new dope. Power of Peace Radio, Mondays at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are tuned into You Are Not Alone. To reach April J. Ford or her guest on today's program, you may call in to 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. If you'd rather send April an email, her email address is Ford at joysofyah.com. Now, back to You Are Not Alone, How to Rise Above Life's Challenges. We are back talking with Bill Sterling, his unique combination of emotional intelligence and the whole brain technology demystifies why people think and behave the way they do. And I wanted to pick up where we left off before the break as I shared, um, I think I shared my results. Um, Let's go ahead and look at the numbers when I did my assessment with Bill. Bill, so if you could explain to our listeners what these numbers mean for the A category or quadrant, I got a 60 and then the B category is 51, a C 80 and a D uh, 110. What do those numbers mean? Well, your highest number was in the creative quadrant because we've been talking about and 110 is a very high creative um, uh, holistic, intuitive, synthesizing, in other words, your brain kind of um, and your value set of your thinking style really stays more towards the open place in regards to uh, new ideas, new concepts. And then your brain then shifts to the second position, which is 80. And the 80 is, and the, the assessment is a 120 question assessment that, that gives us these numbers. And the, the second quadrant is the one that's the interpersonal quadrant. And that's when you go into your caring, your counseling, your connection, your supporting, your empathizing with, um, uh, clients, um, trying to provide them support and healing. Um, you know, towards the challenges that they're facing. 
And then you go over to the third position, which is the logical position. So you'll then go into a bottom line. Um, here are some action. Um, here are some facts. Here are some information. Here are some things to read. Here is an exercise to do. Here's a uh, process to go through. And then finally, you end on the last quadrant is the organized quadrant, organized, sequential, and detailed. And this is the completion quadrant or even the safekeeping quadrant. This is the one that's last on your list, and that's called your kryptonite. If you do too much organization, too much detail, too much structure, uh, too much repetition, your brain will start to melt. Oh, is that why I get bored with repetition? (laughs) Right. Yeah, your brain's going to melt if you're doing repetition, whereas some people are very wired to repetition. They actually like repetition Mm -hmm. so they can increase efficiency in the repetitive act. I I must say, Bill, I I have to admit, when it comes to organization, I I like my my closet organized by color. (laughs) Does that count? yeah, it's or, and and this is when the color is organized in a certain way. So there's groupings of different types of clothes. Now, do you right. do you group the do you group the types of clothes based on color, or do you do it by the outfit? I actually do, do both. You? I do it by color and like with the shirts, the length of the sleeves, okay. and then the dresses oh, go okay. you know the dress section. So I do both. Okay, so the visual still first, so there's the color first, and then you've got a really kind of a pragmatic or practical uh, approach to it, which is these things go together, and I don't want to think about it when I get in the closet. Mm-hmm. I want to have it already thought through by hanging it up in the right place. Is that right? Right, right. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, great. Now, uh, notice how definitively you said the word right. There are listeners right now, saying to themselves, my, clo- my closet doesn't look anything like that. I get in there and I have to sort things and match things together because I kind of just kind of have it all in there. So those people are not as, they have less blue and green than you do, uh, less logical and organizational skills than you do. So um, it is, um, it is a, a, a more of a challenge for that, for those thinking styles to have be efficient with things because mm-hmm. their, their, their mind prefers creativity so much that it would rather start with a messy pile <laughs> than to start with a neat pile. Yeah, and to me, that's frustrating. So what, yeah. how does this apply to if you were living with somebody and that was my preference versus the other person's preference? How do you resolve those conflicts? So that's called appreciation of the differences. How do we appreciate this other person that does things differently and appreciate them for their strengths and not beat them up for their strengths? So, for example, if I have a logical person living in the space and logically they squeeze the toothpaste out of this certain thing a certain way, and I would like the toothpaste squeezed out of the other way or do it a different way, I'm just going to appreciate it that their approach gets toothpaste out just as effectively as my (laughs) way gets toothpaste out. And I'm not going to judge the path of getting toothpaste out of the tube. It's just they have a path. I have a path. Mm 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of course, I'm now going to buy two tubes of toothpaste <laughs> because I don't yeah. want to look at it squeezed in the middle. I want to look at it squeezed neatly from the end if you're that type of person. So notice that, notice that it's how do I navigate around acceptance with a person that shares and connects with me in, in certain levels that I really, really appreciate and love. But in other levels, it, it's really not that big of a deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I wanted to mention to our listeners out there, I know we're talking about, quote unquote, simple um, situations here with, you know, your closet being organized or Bill brought up the analogy of the toothpaste, but really these can present um, conflicts within a relationship or even the same underlining issue in your workplace. I mean, like you said, right. how do you accept the other person's style of communication or lifestyle and how do you value or accept or even acknowledge their difference? That's right. That's right. I, I guess that Two thing, a good thing to mention at this time, April 2, is um, there's a big difference between somebody's preference and somebody's skill. So, for example, somebody might prefer logical thinking or mathematical thinking, but they might not have any skill in it. Like my, my son, who's 14, has a strong logical, analytical, and mathematical skill. But if I push something that's calculus in front of him, he doesn't have any, you know, mastery in that. He doesn't have any skill in executing mathematics at that mm-hmm. level. So there is a gap between somebody's preference of thinking and somebody's skill. If somebody has skill or even the willingness to get skill, oh, that's good enough. They have willingness. They're going to stick through it with me. They're going to accept me and appreciate for who I am. And when they accept me and appreciate for who I am, then um, uh, it, it's going to tend to go better. Mm-hmm. You know, now, where, where can people get their assessment? Like the one that I did, I think it was, like you said, 100 or 120 question online. Where can they get their own assessment with you? Oh, if they want to do the assessment with me, they can go to uh, the website, which is my name, Bill Sterley. S-T-I-E-R-L-E dot com. And then there's two pictures of me on BillSterley.com. One's for the business consultant work that I do. And the other one is for uh, personal relationships. And they can click the personal one. And then there'll, there'll be another one more button to click for to take the test. And that to take the survey. And uh, the survey is 120 questions, and it'll walk you through that, you know, about how to take it. And then I'll review it. Um, I'll review it with uh, them over the phone or through Skype or through you know, uh, uh, Skype if they're in another country um, uh, or a distant location. And, and then I review it to give them an analysis so they can get to better understand what their strengths are and at least take this level one conflict off the plate. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, level two conflicts are more about how do we really manage our emotions during the conflict and, and, and picking something, you know, like that's a mid, mid-level conflict 
and then working through that. Is there any example that you can think of that maybe we can you know, contribute to the listeners of a conflict, maybe a mid-level conflict or even a hard conflict? That, um, um, would that be the emotional conflict that you, the level yeah. two? Said? Well, what yeah, if um, just broadly, if somebody is going through um, a loss, right, and they're trying to rediscover their new path, since they're dealing with a lot of emotional setbacks. Okay, so let's go ahead and take something, something like that if they're dealing with the loss. There's a couple different types of losses. There's death, there's divorce, there's the loss of a job, um, there's the loss of a friendship. So those are different losses. Mm-hmm. That you take well, what about, life. since we're talking about discovering our own personal um, self, I, I found that when people have tied their identity to what is that they lost, whether it was their income or spouse or, yeah. you know, their kids are grown, they've tied their identity to that. What, mm. You know, what if we just lost or didn't know our identity? Well, the word identity is, is really, really important because identity is a, is a very valuable need for us. And the feeling of confused or lost um, is uh, when the brain is going like, is saying and kind of, kind of yelling out to us a little bit, I need some certainty and I need some clarity and I need some direction. I need a new purpose. Help now. That's what it's doing. That's what the brain is doing. So the brain is going into trying to reach for a series of needs. The activity that I coach and I use the most on this is that people take a sheet of paper out and then um, uh, a, a number between 1 and 10 or 1 and 15, depending on how, how, how big the loss is. And then have them say, you know, if I had, if something would make my life wonderful, you know, what, what is the greatest need of mine that I would like right now? Now, what is the greatest need of mine that allows our brain to think, well, I really need support is what the greatest need is. So then we put the word support in number one and then say, well, what's another need that might be important? Well, I really need some connection. Okay. So now I've got two needs, support and connection. Then what else do I need? Well, I need clarity. Okay. So I need, I got support and I've got connection and I need clarity. Okay. Then, then they might see I, I need um, some uh, information, or and then you put that down. Uh, maybe a person needs fairness, um, and maybe a person needs to, uh, certainty. So those are a, a list of other needs that might go into this list of either ten or fifteen. Okay. Now after we get, I usually after the exercises, I have people pick do the first, do five at a time. So you do. First five. Okay, so I need support. What would that look like? Well, it would look like uh, calling Bill for a 10-hour package of, of uh, support through this process. Okay, great. Now I've got number one, or uh, call, and then what does connection look like? Well, I want to reach out to April and connect with her on the phone and talk her through the progress I'm making. Okay, well, what would, um, you know, what does certainty look like? Well, to know that I can call my mom or call my dad or call my friend at any time. Well, what does that take? 
You call him on the phone and say, listen, from time to time over the next month, I'm going to be calling you. Are you up to taking my call at any time? And then most friends will say, yeah, I'll take it. Wow. And then you say, I'm really going through yeah. a tough time. Just to know you're there mm-hmm. will mm-hmm. really make the difference. Notice that sentence. Just to know you're just there. Nobody's going to Great. call you 24-7. Right. Just to know that I have somebody to call really can make a big difference. Right. Now, Bill, I, I think I'm going to leave our listeners with that. Yep. We'll leave the level two since we are running up on time. Looks like we're going to have to do a part two of this segment. But I want you guys to right. go to Bill's website, take the assessment. And with that, you get the consultation with him on the phone or via Skype. And he'll be able to go more in depth on the level two on how to handle your emotions. Alrighty, everyone. I'm April J. Ford here on Voice America with You Are Not Alone. I share my story and this show so that others can share their stories and have their glory. So that others don't have to experience the extremities of what I face, but would be able to take the fruit of my adversities and prosper with it. I give my permission to allow people to borrow my belief and faith. I give my love and light so that others can illuminate theirs. I share my joys and blessings so that others can share theirs and let others know you are not alone. We appreciate your joining us this week for You Are Not Alone. Please tune in for another edition with host April J. Ford next Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We can't wait to talk again next week.